John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to, be, and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. For it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? So have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Well, so the summer of 2007 was a big summer for me. I had an internship working as a hospital chaplain at Grady Hospital, a level one trauma center and one of the few public hospitals in Atlanta, Georgia. I was preparing for my final year of seminary and discerning the next steps that I would take within my call. I also met this really cute guy from Oklahoma named Larry. We met over a dinner, but then didn't talk to each other again for another three years. That's for another sermon and a whole other story. So the summer of 2007, it was a time of beginnings, of discoveries, of understanding who I am called to be. And so much of that work blossomed during my trip to the Middle East. I had been accepted into a program where five to six different clergy were chosen from six different seminaries. Some Methodist, some Baptist, some Presbyterian, some Episcopalian, some non-denominational, and a few Church of Christ folks. About 20 laity rounded out our trip, and we were divided into two groups to spend three weeks together traveling through the Middle East. As we landed in Damascus and traveled around Syria, we spent a lot of time getting to know one another, finding commonalities, forming community together, while of course gawking in awe at all of the wonderful things that we were seeing and experiencing. Same thing happened through Jordan. So as we traveled into Egypt, our leader told us, okay, y'all, You've spent enough time getting to know one another. A big purpose of this trip is to learn how to talk to each other in the midst of our differences and conflicts. 
So let's stop just being surface level and let's get into some theological conversations, which we did. And y'all, we had some great, fruitful conversations. I got to listen to people that held beliefs that are very different than my own, and I got to ask questions. I got to disagree without attacking any person or their identity. I got to see how Christ is at work within denominations that I don't always agree with 100%, or sometimes even 50%. And I feel like our group grew within our conversation. We grew in being able to see God more, in experiencing Christ, in listening to the voice of one another. And not just on theological topics, but also on political ones and social justice ones. We disagreed without harming one another. That is, until we reach the Mount of the Beatitudes. Our group was staying on the top of this Mount, the place where Jesus came and prepared and gave his sermon on the Mount And we were staying in a monastery overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And we had gathered together that night, our first night there, for a time of worship. One of my fellow travel mates came to sit beside me. And during worship, he started to cry. And so I stayed sitting beside him for a while after our worship was over. And he just kept on crying. As I sat, I prayed for him and kept on looking out at the beauty of the water in front of us. After about ten minutes or so of some silence, he spoke, saying how this whole trip was challenging his faith in ways that he just couldn't even comprehend yet, and about how much he missed his family, his wife, and his kids. I kept on listening, asking questions every so often, but mainly allowing him the space that he needed to be able to grieve. I noticed after a little while that there was another one of our travel mates sitting a few rows behind us during this whole time. He came up to both of us after another ten minutes or so and sat down and then proceeded to tell me how what I was doing was inappropriate. That because I was a woman... I shouldn't be with this other man as I could easily lead him into an affair. That this was the reason why women shouldn't be in ministry. Because we didn't know how to act appropriately. And we were too much of a temptation. Now y'all. Y'all, this wasn't my first rodeo. And being challenged at being a woman in ministry. But this was the first time that it came as a personal attack, as a challenge to who I was, as a confrontation and a display of power. I went back to my room, shaking and sobbing, and I woke up the next day with a fever. My friend who had been hurting the night before stepped up and apologized for what our other travel mate had said. And he reaffirmed to me, we don't all think that way, Sarah. And he continued to check in on me throughout the day. 
the one who had been hurting before, had to now turn into the caregiver and be able to dismiss all of his hurts and all of his pains. A stumbling block had been placed in front of me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Now the narrative that I shared, it's unfortunately not uncommon. I'm sure that my other colleagues up here could share their own stories that they've had, their own encounters that they have experienced. And as we go to this lesson within Mark, we're challenged to stop and to pause and to think. Because the disciples, just like my fellow traveling mate, came across someone who, as they report to Jesus, was casting out demons in your name. They came across someone who's, who was relieving intense pain and misery. They came across someone who was following Christ's example of bringing about healing and wholeness and doing so in Jesus' name. But none of that was enough. Why? Because he was not following us. Apparently, it is not enough to just be a follower of Jesus. You have to be a certain kind of follower. One that toes the line, that shares their theological commitments, that conforms to the disciples' expectations, that perhaps is then able to be under the oversight and the control of the disciples. John, the disciple making the report, seems to expect that Jesus will approve of what just happened with a well done, good and faithful servant. You tried to right the wrong, to clean up the path, and to restore order. But that's not how it goes. So often within the narrative of Mark, the disciples just don't get it. And they're the ones who are missing the mark. It's not just that they were standing in another person's way of faith, but also that they were denying another individual's expression of faith. It's not just that the disciples somehow prevented someone from having faith, but they prevented a life of faith that nobody else, just that person, could embody. Because by standing in someone's way to a relationship with Jesus, the disciples, and so often we, have somewhere along the line proclaimed that there's a certain way faith must look. And it must look like us, like what we know. Jesus said, For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. Sometimes, y'all, we get so caught up in the judgment game, in the us versus them, in the rules and the regulations, in the ways that things have always been that we miss seeing God at work 
that we miss being able to receive that cup of cold water, that we miss what God is doing in the world because we're so focused on the labels being right that we miss the acts of love. We saw in the Middle East over that summer how our religious differences keep us from following Christ. And I'm not just talking about other faiths, but about the various Christian sects. Did you know that the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, one of the places thought to be the burial grounds for Jesus, is managed by four different Christian groups? Each one has a different quadrant within the church, and they're in charge of their own quadrant and what happens within that space in that area, and they maintain they're each individual spaces. But the keys, the keys to that church are held by a Muslim. There's so much fighting and conflict among those four different Christian groups that a Muslim has to hold the keys to the church and open it up every morning and close it down at night. That you're not doing it my way lets them lose sight to the bigger mission that is there within that space. Because John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But in this same land of deep political and religious conflict of the Middle East, there's a group who stands on the corner every day protesting the occupation of Palestine. The Women in Black is a women's anti-war movement that started in Jerusalem but has spread around the world, responding to what they considered serious violations of human rights by Israeli soldiers in the occupied territories, the women held a vigil every Friday in central Jerusalem. They wear black clothing in mourning for all of the victims in the midst of the conflict. Initially, the group had no name, but it was quickly identified with the black clothing and thus became known as the Women in Black. The initiative soon spread to various other locations in Israel and now has gone worldwide, with women standing weekly in main squares of cities or at junctions on inner city highways protesting human rights, things that are horrible, that are happening within their communities. The women stood side by side, and in Jerusalem, they are Christians Muslims, and Jews. Different faith beliefs, different ways of living out their faith, but united in a common cause of healing, restoration, justice, and hope. God is at work in and through these women, albeit in different ways during the week. But these women don't let those differences keep them from their common goal, from their cause together, to seek and to find peace, 
to proclaim and to point out injustice, to work towards healing and wholeness. How are we called to live? How can we hold on to the core of what it is that we believe yet still hold room for the other? How can we be a part of active listening to hear what all God is up to in the world and not just dismiss it because it doesn't sound like something we do? And now, y'all, I want you to hear me out. I don't mean that we completely become wishy-washy in our faith or that we don't point out when harm is being done to others. Y'all heard my story this summer of my dad and how when there was a theological belief that lent towards harming people, he raised his voice. And I believe voices should be raised. But what if, instead of arguing about how different people do church, or hating on different places like, I don't know, life church, what if we began to pray for them? What if we began to see how what they are doing is contributing to the larger kingdom of God? What if we began to see God in action? And we don't stop it, even though it's different than what we do. But instead, we thank God for it. David Luz, a blogging preacher, ended his take on this text this week with these words. Perhaps then what I'm inviting in light of Jesus' admonition to his first century disciples is for his 21st century disciples to write a different ending to this scene. We saw some people, Lord, who were here. They were casting out demons, working for justice, advocating for those who have lost their jobs and feel left behind. Caring for veterans, listening to the hard stories, protesting injustice, and more, all in your name. They do not follow us. In fact, we really disagree with them. But we did not try to stop them. And they gave us a cup of cold water. And that was cool. Thanks be to God. Amen.